Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Okay, well, welcome to an interlaltastic arsecast because there's not much going on this week. I decided that uh, all the usual bits and pieces can go to one side. And what we'll do is we'll have one of our roundtable discussions to look at the state of Arsenal as it stands. Second in the table, the league title in our hands, but a lot of misery and despair right there. And with me to discuss all those things are Gunnar Hollick. Hello. Hello there, blogs. We've got the man from East Lower. Hi there. And we've got Tim from Arse to Mouse. Hello there and welcome to the Arsecast. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, I suppose we, we have to start with West Brom because it's sort of symptomatic uh, in many ways of, of this team. Uh, we wanted a win. We needed to bounce back after some disappointing results and found ourselves through various circumstances 2-0 down. And at that point, the doom was mighty. I was doing the live blog and uh, it was crazy. I didn't even look at the chat but I knew exactly what was going on and how many of our players needed to be hung how many needed to be shot out of cannons uh, what the manager needed to do with himself and with anyone else that he could find um, and then we sort of fought back to 2-2 and to get a point that didn't look very likely but amazingly a point which also meant that the title remained in our hands, so to speak, dependent on our own results. So it's it's very, um, I think, symptomatic of the way the season has gone, that you have these these lows, but on the other hand, when you step back from them, they're not quite as low as you think they are. Um, I'll, I'll let you start with this one, the man from East Lower. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I take your point. Uh, it, it's, uh, I think, I read somewhere the other day that... Um, you know, we're only still in this because of the weakness of others. I'm not sure that's strictly true, but there has to be an element of that. Uh, every time um, we need to sort of push on and, <laughs> and do it, it doesn't seem to happen. But yet here we all are again, and we're, we're still second. And as you say, if we win all nine, which may seem improbable, um, we'd do it, which is extraordinary. It is. Tim, your thoughts? I, I find the, the West Brom game, in a weird way, it reminded me of a game which has haunted me all season, like some sort of footballing equivalent of Edgar Allan Poe's Raven, which was the, the Leisure Warsaw pre-season game, which ended up 5-6. <laughs> and which, if you remember, we went 3-0 down in. And I think that sort of preposterousness has kind of carried through Arsenal's entire season, these incredible sort of like crushing embarrassments followed by sort of quite quite amazing fightbacks and some really good performances. And there's been this just unbelievable kind of Jekyll and Hyde quality to the entire season. And my worry is I don't really see that stopping. The consistency is the issue, though, Hollick, right? I think that's probably a fair point because uh, you can understand the grief that people were were feeling. You, when you've got 10 games to go, the most difficult one is not West Bromwich Albion away. <laughs> so it's obviously that that's got people down and the, the, the nature of us going 
one nil down was disappointing, but kind of understandable. It's our Achilles heel, and we haven't got our best central defender in there. But the second goal, I think you can understand people getting really uptight about, and regardless of whether you allocate all of the blame to the goalkeeper or half to Manuel and half to Squillacci, you know, you could... I. People get upset. I got upset at the time, so I can't go lecturing anybody about it. What's astonishing to me is kind of the reaction after the event when actually the club have pulled out quite a remarkable comeback to get something out of the game. So there are two ways of looking at it. But yes, uh, nine wins to come. Can you win those nine games having not beaten West Brom? There's the question that they've got to answer. Mm, And it does. it is, again, I suppose the fight back is again, illustrates the issue that we have with the team and that you, you, you don't expect there to be a fight back against uh, West Brom in those circumstances particularly, but then you have to give credit for the fight back, especially in the absence of Walcott and Fabregas and Song and, and all those important players. The goalkeeping thing, though, obviously is, is a big issue from, uh, from the West Brom game. Uh, Manuel Almunia is not uh, anybody's idea of a number one, right? I'm being as diplomatic <laughs> as I can be at the moment because... Yeah. I think uh, John Cross made a, a very good point in his article uh, yesterday where he said, look, uh, Almuni is not brilliant, but he has been dicked around a little bit, in fairness, uh, this season. He's been in and out of the team. The club were willing to let him go in January, and then that was next when uh, Fabianski got injured. Um, he's down to third choice behind a 19-year-old. Uh, and his confidence can't be high anyway. And we know he's not that kind of a player. He's not that sort of cocksure guy like uh, Chesney is, for example. Uh, but if you drop him, you're dropping him for a 41-year-old who hasn't played for, you know, a season, a season and a half. And if Jens gets injured or makes a mistake, well, what sort of confidence does he have going in there? So um, we can touch on this in, in relation to injuries a little bit. And I know, Tim, you had some thoughts on this in general on your blog but I mean yeah. it's fairly it's fairly unprecedented um you know people can talk about Almuni isn't good enough or he's not uh, he shouldn't be in the team but it is quite unprecedented I think for any team to have three of their four goalkeepers injured at any one time I think it'd be unprecedented for any other team I think for us it you kind of almost it doesn't even register as weird because you just kind of expect these kind of calamities to kind of happen what's kind of struck me as weird is uh, the kind of joy that Lehman's arrival's been received by, because do people really actually expect him to play? Like as as ludicrous as Almunia's mistake was, and I think it was his mistake. I think Scalacci was guilty of letting the, the ball bounce, but not much more. And certainly, there's plenty of other Arsenal centre backs who've done that. But Lehman left not because he was such a great goalkeeper, but had moved on to something else. But because he'd started to make those kind of mistakes. So the thought that he's going to come in at 41 years of age, having not played football for like six months. It just seems preposterous to me, and we seem so easily distractible as fans to go. We're very kind of keen to remember the great times, but I kind of worry about when we brought Soul back as well, and you kind of you didn't want it to get embarrassing sort of things, and I fear the same sort of thing may be happening with Lehman. So I think we're stuck with Almunia, bar bar you know him sort of properly bursting into tears on the pitch, which I wouldn't rule out either at this point. Um, and for me, slower. I mean, there's a certain amount of that, isn't there? In the in the frenzy after West Brom, people are thinking very much with their hearts and not with their heads. Yeah, uh, you I do feel. I mean, going back to your point, I, I do feel really sorry for him because he's, as you say, dropped down the pecking order. His head's in his heart's not in it, so it can't be very easy for him. But at the same time, you have to 
you have to really blame Wenger. This kind of situation has been going on for the best part of you know five years. Um, it's one of the most key spinal positions, and uh, it seems to have been like this for a long time now. Um, I think I don't think Lehman will play either. I, I really can't see it, but uh, I think they're all holding out for Chesney to come back in the middle of next month. So you know, sort of basically need to sort of strap Almunia together and. Um, Give him some kind of an injection and and just uh, hope he hope he doesn't make any more mistakes over the next uh, four or five games or or four games whatever it is. Mm. It is it's a it's an interesting one. I mean I I, I know what Tim says about it uh, not being that surprising that it happened to Arsenal that three out of four goalkeepers are, are injured and you know I still think there's an element of bad luck. I don't think you can actually plan for three goalkeepers out of four to to be injured at any one time. And um, the central defensive thing, though, Hollick, is is a bit of an issue, of course. The minute that Juru got injured, people are going, oh, well, he should have bought a centre-half in January. Everyone said he should have bought a centre-half in January. And what we know about Arsene is that pretty much what everybody says he generally doesn't do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you know that I, I, I'm kind of on their side because we are so reliant or were so reliant on... Juru and Vermaelen coming back. Let's not forget, this isn't about losing one centre-half. This is about there was a feeling, even very recently, I understand he was saying that he was expecting to be back around about the time of the Barcelona second leg, and he's had a further relapse since then. So some confusion was thrown into that last week, wasn't it, when Arsene was quoted as saying, well, we never expected him back. I don't think his English was the best then. I don't think he actually meant that in January he didn't expect to have Vermaelen back by the end of the season because I'm convinced he would have had to go out and buy somebody at that point. So a a problem is kind of not just the injuries, but it's who's getting injured. You've lost the spine of the side, a critical part of the season. We could perhaps have lost either of the fullbacks and been able to get by with their replacements. We would have been able maybe to lose our Shavin or Van Persie and, and get by with their replacements. But when you lose Chesney, Juru, Vermaelen, Fabregas, Song, and to a certain extent Walcott, you've lost probably the players who have made us tick when we've been playing at our best this season. Mm. It, is a, it is a tough thing uh, to deal with. Um, and I think in some some of the circumstances, like Fabregas, for example, I, I think he's just a bit worn out. I think the, the hamstring injuries are a symptom of a guy who hasn't had a rest since the 2008 European Championships. He hasn't and had was a, rushed uh, back too quickly the last time. Exactly. exactly. But, that, but, that, but that was because he was so desperate to play at the New Camp Party, wasn't it? I mean, you felt sure. really that was the player pushing it rather than the manager. And to me, it's the, it's the loss of Alex Song, which is the really telling one, because you look at the stats, and when he doesn't play, we don't win. It's as simple as that. And to have like one player who can play that position... And you can you can point to Danielson and Diaby all you like, perhaps angrily, but <laughs> but but who is there other than those who can who can play a classic kind of you know destructive midfielder sort of role? There's not one. So you start the season, you go, we know we're going to be in four competitions for a while at least. Are you logically saying this guy's going to play all of them, or that we're confident that the guys deputising are going to be able to fill in? Because who is confident that they are? Because mm. the stats and Wenger's a big stats man, like you know he he would I'm sure discuss them with you you know all day long. They don't bear out that we that we can play without him. 
Mm. It's an interesting one because I heard, I don't know how many times I've heard, particularly in the last little while, if only Frimpong hadn't got injured. And I think that speaks a lot about the way that people view He's the a club. Kid. He's a kid. He's an ab- yeah, I mean, he looked good in a couple of the preseason games. And the minute the level went up in preseason, when the game started, uh, they moved from training games to slightly competitive games. He looked like a, a young guy who wasn't quite ready for first team football yet. You know, so this um, projection we have of, of putting all our eggs in the basket of a young guy who, who's barely played, it's, it's a curious thing. But the, uh, the, the spine of the team, like you say, is, uh, is out and has been out. Fabregas, uh, Song, uh, Juru Vermal and all these guys. And, and is it a case, you know, I think this is something we might have touched on before, uh, Man From East Lower, that we have uh, a, a particularly brittle batch of players at the moment. That, you know, for every... Van Persie, you know, we don't have enough Wilshers. And Wilshire, and I don't want to jinx the guy, and I don't believe in jinxing anyway, but nevertheless, he seems like a guy who can take a kick and is robust, if you know what I mean, as a player. Whereas Robin, sometimes scoring a goal in a cup final will put him out for a little while. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I, yeah. We certainly do have, um, um, I mean, you know, the stats bear it out. We've, got, we've had terrible injuries for quite a few years now. I don't know whether it's just. I, I don't think it, it's the players he buys. It's probably the pace of the game, and it's so hard to say. It could just be bad luck. But um, the bottom line is, I, I think um, it is that the people that are meant to have been able to back them up just haven't really produced this season either. So yes, it's true. Song doesn't really have. Well, he, he's sort of you know, obviously the best man for his position, but um, there are others who really should have done better when they've come in, and they've really. I think uh, you know underperformed badly this this year, so that hasn't helped either. Do you, I mean you're? I presume you're talking about Danielson and Diaby, right? Yeah, I mean, because I think the the system, the 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 sort of two holding midfielders or the two players deeper than the the uh, the the more attacking central midfielder, for example, means that not all the onus is on Alex Song to do the the defensive work. But you look at someone like Danielson, and I don't want to pick on the guy at all. Um, I, I genuinely don't because he's a guy, if you think about it, if everybody's fit, if we've got Sesk, Song, Diaby, if he's fit, uh, Ramsey, Wilshire is basically the sixth choice central midfielder at the club, right? So I don't want to pick on him from the point of view uh, that you know his performances haven't lived up beyond that of the fourth choice central midfielder, for example. But um, he's a guy who, whose career seems to be stagnating. Yeah, but it's up to him, you know. It's up yeah, to him I agree, to I agree. Position and say, look, Wilshire's gone ahead of me and, and Ramsey's coming back. It's up to him to say, well, I want to push on and I want to take their places. It doesn't really strike me that he he thinks that's going to happen. And, mm. and you know, why that is, it's very hard to say. Maybe he's just having one of those bad bad sort of periods in his development. But um, you, you want to see someone who's sort of bristling and, and saying, you know, every time I get my chance, I just want to prove it. It doesn't seem, it doesn't look like that to me at all. He, you know, he seems quite lackadaisical. Mm. Well, it, it, Sorry, Tim. Uh, yeah, I, you know I feel kind of sorry for the guy because I think he's a better player than he's showing us at the moment. But what came out of Saturday quite clearly is that well, what's come out the last couple of weeks is that he's a guy who's playing with a complete and utter lack of confidence, and he's obviously feeling the weight of the crowd on his back at the moment. And under those circumstances, I think it's better to be, you know, cruel to be kind. I think there's a there's a player who would benefit from moving on somewhere in the summer. But when he was taken off on Saturday, 
the point that that leads on to is the fact that we finally, for the first time since I can't remember when, reverted to a 4-4-2 and didn't miss the work that he wasn't doing and it gave us a better shape with Shamak up front alongside Van Persie. So there was a positive to be gleaned from him going off, which is maybe to counsel, the ne- counsel out the negativity about him himself. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a future for him now, unfortunately, and not entirely his fault. But, you know, like you say, it's down to him to react more positively than he has done. Mm. The, the thing I think with Danielson is uh, I'm not one for this kind of, you know, players have to come sort of soaked in kind of blood and thunder and charge around. But you'd think that if you are slightly out of form or out of confidence, you, you would try to kind of uh, replace that with effort. And you look at the two goals we conceded up at Old Trafford, and it, in both occasions he was sort of guilty of kind of doing that thing which drives people mad watching it, where he's jogging, jogging back as players stream past him. And you go like, the least you can do is kind of just tear around trying to get a tackle in, which just, I don't understand why he doesn't seem to be able to get that. Is that not being sort of drilled in or... Or what? I think that's what really frustrates the fans and why they kind of, you know, one of the reasons people love Wilshire is because of that kind of 100% attitude where he's racing about. I appreciate he's a slightly younger guy, but not, not still a young guy himself. He should have a decent engine. Mm. I mean, What's he there for, really? Mm. Well, I mean, Nielsen, for a player who is approaching his prime, should be showing more consistency, and I think that's the issue. Unfortunately, he's been quite consistent. He's been consistent, aren't he? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let, let, let's look at the team in general and the confidence. You know, since the um, since the Carling Cup final, uh, we can you know we can look at the results and and the the five nil win against Leighton Orient aside, and that's a a game that you would expect the team to win uh, under any circumstances, really at home. And you know, Orient had done what they'd done in the first game and got their trip to Vegas a nil nil against Sunderland. Uh, 3-1 loss to Barcelona, 2-0 loss to Manchester United in the West Brom game that we've spoken about. And perhaps one thing that sums up the uh, the last month of football is the fact that Busquets' goal is up for one of the goals of the month on Arsenal.com. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Well, that, that Sunderland point was the first point they'd yeah. taken in 18, I think I'd, I'd read. So, like, we are clearly in a bad patch of form, and I think the heartening thing was at least we at least we did score two goals away at West Brom. You know, we finally kind of you know broken that big drought we had, mm. which was a similar drought to we had when we weren't scoring uh, when we, in that season when we finished. We were kind of racing Villa for fourth. You know, we went through that big patch of draws, didn't we? And not scoring. Yeah, yeah. Nil nils for a sequence of yeah. nil nil draws. Um, is it a case, um, man from East Lower, that the the interlull, and we've spoken about this maybe on the blogs, is that it, it has come at a good time because the, the confidence has been uh, combined with absences that we've spoken about to the spine of the team. And, and, and maybe it really is the best-timed international break of all time. I, I thought that might be true, but then I looked at Arsenal.com today and saw that um, we've got still got 14 players away and they've got two games in about four days. And you know, you always, you always then think, oh, what's going to happen to them? But um, certainly it'll be good for getting... Hopefully, getting some of our um, our, our big uh, our big players back, uh, but um, I, I just hope that um, they all come back, you know, in, in fine fettle. But it is it isn't a bad time to. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I have two weeks off, but uh, it, it is a it is a bad time to kind of lose your form and lose your players, and and um, we do seem to take quite a long time to to sort of um, pick ourselves up after disappointments. But there really is um, no time to waste now. We we just got to go. Mm. We go on a run. I mean, wh- whether any of us here think it's going to happen, in, in, you know, I don't know. But uh, we have to go on a, the kind of run we haven't done this season. So. Um, well, I don't know. Mm. Isn't that the beauty of football, though? Because you're at a situation now where you could refer back. I mean, the reference points are 2008 and 2010, aren't they? And both sides of the fence could say, well, we haven't got hope in hell because we didn't win it in 2008 and 2010. Or you could, if you're of an optimistic nature, say, well, what we learned from those two years gives us the opportunity to go and make the very most of it. It's the great thing about football. I haven't got a clue if they're going to win it or not. I get very frustrated that so many people think it's a fact that we won't. <laughs> it's likely that we won't and that they will be proved right. But oh, what a feeling if it comes off, eh? No, well, I mean, that, that is the beauty of it, isn't it? You know, that you, you just, you do never know. But um, maybe, you know, you speak there about the lessons of 2008, 2010 being learned. Would we be in as much of a funk? And I know people can say it's just the Carling Cup and blah, blah. But I think, you know, if we'd won that game, yeah. uh, which is, to me, a uh, uh, man from East Lower there speaks about how it how we, we take a long time to recover from certain setbacks. And I think that's true of our sense teams uh, for for quite a long time. Because you remember after the, the 50th game at Old Trafford, uh, there was a real, real hangover to that, and that's to be expected in a certain way. But you know, nearly everything gives us a hangover now. The bus is late, we get a hangover. You know, the weather's not good, the pitch is not good, we have, we have a hangover. Um, and maybe the, you know, they talk about winning being a habit, but maybe losing can become a habit as well. And maybe uh, that's a little fear I have with regards to Arsene. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure. I'm sure losing is a habit as well as winning. Um, Trust sure. me, I know about that one from. Hard to win the break too. <laughs> it isn't part of the frustration that we saw that the, the Chelsea home game we had, where we played so well, and I think everyone felt after the back of that that this team on its day, when when you've got roughly that first eleven, we sort of all look at out, can beat anyone in this league and, and beat them if they play well, almost quite comfortably. So the frustration is seeing them revert back to this kind of really starting slowly, some of the second stringers coming in, and the whole thing seems so fragile. Like When it's a perfect storm, we, we genuinely look, you know, world beaters, and then we're so quickly, we veer between poles so fast. I guess you could say the same about Chelsea. I mean, they went through this unbelievable patch, didn't they, where they were, just, where they were losing games back-to-back, but mm. it seems to have bounced back quicker. I'm well, glad you sort of mentioned the, the Chelsea game, because, uh, um, you know, I was looking at it the other day, yeah, sort of wistfully, and... Um, <laughs> And, and uh, you know, that, that game, we, we, we really did harry and, and you know, we, we closed them down really fast. We were really quick on the break and, um, and it was pretty much the benchmark performance. And, and we just haven't done that enough since. And, you know, like, lots of reasons why. But that's the kind of thing we need to uh, aim towards in, you know, in the next uh, two months. 
Or was it was it Porto we brought back to the to the Emirates when we had to win in the Champions League the season before? And we really went at them from the get go and really tore them apart. And you felt like, why don't we go into this every game playing this way? You know, why is it? Why do we start so slowly? You kind of done it. We kind of feel like we probe and probe and look for things to happen mm. rather than really ripping into teams in a way that we we kind of used to. And you feel like this team probably still can. Maybe maybe the mission of Walcott is the uh, is the big thing because we just don't pin teams down in the same way. I think if Walcott played in the Carling Cup final, would have given Birmingham so many so many more different problems because there's so much space out there. Is the only genuine pace that we have up front, isn't he? Well, Nasri's meant to be really quick, isn't he? He's going to be like the second quickest sprinter at the club, but then he's more tricky dribbler, and he's, you're also asking to kind of orchestrate as well and pull mm. p- other people into the game. And I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're, we do seem to have a lack of pace. Let's uh, let's look at because a lot of people talk about the Manchester United game and how important that is, and it is. Well, I hope it's going to be a hugely important game because we've got a month of football when we come back from this interlull. Blackburn at home. Blackpool away, Liverpool at home, Spurs away, Bolton away. That's before we hit Manchester United or we host Manchester United. Now, I'm hopeful that their European exploits uh, will continue and they'll um, have problems with Chelsea. And I hope that the, the, uh, the problems that exist between them as two clubs that don't like each other, and I hope Everett goes mental and starts punching, I hope all kinds of things happen to them in those games, and that they're a little bit distracted, and that by the time they come to play us, they're broken and wrecked and everything else. But it's up to us, isn't it, to, to stay in it that long, because that's 15 points that we're talking about in the next month, and it's difficult to look at any of them and think, well, that's an easy three points. Holly. Yeah, absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head. You just got to take it a game at a time, and they have to put those. Fifteen points is possibly hopeful from those next five, but if they can get thirteen, you expect United to drop a point or two somewhere as well. Just try and keep it in our grasp until we get there, but don't, for goodness' sake, go and blow it somewhere like. Well, home to Blackburn or away at Blackpool, that would be an absolute shame, wouldn't it? Mm. So you, I, I don't know what else to say. Looking forward to the Manchester United game is just so far out. I, I don't even want to countenance where we're going to be when we get there quite yet. <laughs> Let's win the next few first. Well, that's it. I mean, the team has got to really look at it from that point of view, don't they, man? From East Lower, just next game, next game, next game. Yeah, but they say that all the time. Oh, I know. We'll, we'll show our mental strength. But uh, I just want to see you know, the, uh, out the blocks, uh, you know, uh, um, as Tim said, out the blocks. After f- You can pretty much tell with this team how the game's going to pan out after about you know, just the first few minutes. Um, and I just want to see them go for it in the first half and actually just crack the whip and do it uh, and not wait till the 70th minute to, to, to sort of prove everybody wrong. Mm. So I, I think... Um, I'm actually really excited about the Blackburn game for some peculiar reason. I really am, and uh, and I think um, I think it, it would be quite indicative uh, after the first five or ten minutes how their heads are. You know, mm. let's before we you know put it all on the line and and try and make some predictions for the last nine games because we've been sitting here and we've been having the odd laugh, but generally at how terrible things are <laughs> and how terrible people are. Let's look at some of the positives from the season uh, this far. Um, I, I suspect for, for most of us, Jack Wilshire is the main one in, in the sense that his emergence, there was, there was talk of whether or not he was going to stay at the club or whether it might be better for him to go out on loan. But hasn't it just been an absolute joy to watch him um, develop as a player 
but also develop as an Arsenal player because you know he he, he just loves it. He just loves playing for Arsenal, and it's it's um, maybe we've. Uh, miss that you know the localness of it and i don't want to open up debates about english players versus foreign players because you only have to look at someone like sesk to know how much playing for arsenal means to him as well but uh, his emergence has been something else tim i think the thing with Wilshire is when when you're in the ground and he, he you know puts in a big tackle or plays a great pass or on, on the sort of fewer occasions he's scored it means something else to the fans and i don't think it's in a kind of i don't think it's a xenophobic thing at all it's just it's just a kind of natural response to the fact that he's a local boy and you know he loves the club and he does that you never hear that kind of you don't hear him being linked with moving somewhere i know he's very early in his career because you you, you get from following him on twitter or wherever this real sense that he loves the place so i think people take a real kind of uh, almost fatherly pride about it when he scored in the champions league i remember thinking the place just went nuts because it, it was jack wilshire scoring and that's what everyone wanted to see and i think if he does add goals to the game i mean you really will be talking about him being properly, you know, one of the top talents in the country. God, I sound like Harry Redknapp and no top, top player. <laughs> Cut that bit out. <laughs> no, 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 that's staying in. That's <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, I think Arsene compared him to Sesk in a way uh, that when Sesk was playing at youth levels, he scored a lot of a lot of goals. And it took him a couple of seasons playing first-team football before he rediscovered that again because it is, of course, a massive step up. Yeah, he plays. He plays with the humbleness, isn't he? Because he looks to square it to, to play other guys in. Because he doesn't want to be like trying. You feel like he's not trying to be Johnny Big Boots, is he? He's not trying to take kind of crackers shots on in a way that someone like maybe Bentley would have done. Um, he's he's a, you know the consummate Arsenal player and the consummate team player. And I always think it's nonsense that kind of talk that England aren't producing uh, good young players because it wasn't it the under 18s team won. Uh, I think the Europeans or whatever. There's plenty of young players coming through. And to my mind, without getting distracted by this sort of thing, they've all benefited from having great. Uh, European and other foreign foreign nationality players around him. Man from East Lower, any anything to add to that regards Wilshire or anything else that has uh, caught your eye this season? Well, Wilshire, quite apart from his nationality, is just a sensational footballer. So um, it is a joy to see a player that good coming through for Arsenal. There's no doubt about it. But he's not the only one. I think Chesney finally, you know, after dilly dallying for a long, long time, it, it looks like the business. I know he made a m- mistake and. Um, you know, in the cup in the cup final, but I think he just got that aura about him that you think, yeah, he's going to be a big player. Nasri's been brilliant. Shamak in the first half of the season has been excellent. So yeah, we've had loads and loads of positives, and we're still in there with a shout. So um, uh, if you know, if the next couple of games uh, go to plan, you know, we we might be really quite getting quite giddy. It, it could work that way. Yes, it, it's not unknown. Uh, huh? Hollick, Robin van Persie, nineteen goals in his last nineteen starts. Him coming through this interlull unscathed, you have to think is um, is quite crucial. Something that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tra- we're on the positive bit now, please. <laughs> He's going to fall down the steps of the plane. <laughs> now you have to say that his his record, his improvement when he does play. Uh, goes on and on, which is remarkable when you consider that he's now getting, you know, uh, his prime as well. He still does. I mean, he looks like he's going to score more and more goals, but we have only got him for half a season and we badly need, um, the man from East Lowe was talking about Shamak there, we badly need him to come back now next season and give us a season of what we had half a season of this year because he is the answer to that. You don't miss... Van Persie so much if you've got another player who's going to score those goals for you and Shamak undoubtedly has the ability 
Uh, going back, Nasri as well was mentioned. I think Nasri has been absolutely outstanding this season. And I know I bang this drum on my blog. I cannot understand why he's not playing in the Sesk role when Sesk isn't there because he's just a natural replacement. He's always looking for those little balls on the edge of the box that will set someone through in a way that the others don't seem to have and certainly not not the Rosicki of recent weeks and not the Diaby of recent weeks. And so that kind of uh, throws me as well. Mm. But uh, no, generally, I, there are lots of positives. And one, the one that we've ignored completely is that when he's been fit and when he's played, I think this has been Theo Walcott's most consistent season where he finally looks as though he's getting to grips with the fact he needs to do something as well as be quick. Mm. And I think generally he has. His finishing has improved. His wing play has improved, even if he's not going to end up on the wing. I still don't know that he's going to be another central striker. But there's another positive for me. I think when he's been around, he's been fabulous. I'm going to throw one more positive in here if I can. And he gets overlooked, I think. And that's Bakary Sanya, um, who's been consistent uh, at right back and you look at a game and in the 80th minute we come out of defense and he just tears up the right hand side I mean the guy is he's a machine you kind of expect it of him and you're right he does you kind of take him for granted don't you you do he's even got a couple of goals as well isn't he which you, you, you wouldn't have bet any money at all on at the start of the season so mm, that's true I, I have a big time for him I have to say um all right well look here we are we're towards the end of it now so um can, can it be done I mean, it it can be done, but what's the likelihood? If you had to put some money on it, Holly, you're the you're the man with the pound. Give us a, give us some odds on this. I'm glad you stuck with him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've got fifty uh, p on it, <laughs> <laughs> but it it really is that, isn't it? I've and I won't say flat out no. The people who say we can't, we won't. The odds are definitely on their side. You can't argue the fact, but. I, I still hold on to that little belief. I've seen us do it before from this kind of situation and this two-week break may help, may just give them time to regroup and, and regain the confidence and go out and nine nine results, not necessarily nine wins, but nine results is not beyond this group of players if they keep the right players fit. Man from East Laura. Well, I'm going to give you the diplomatic answer and I'm going to say that if we did it, if we do it, it will be Wenger's biggest achievement in, in his time at Arsenal. Wow. Okay. I, I do think it will because you know t- it's. Um, uh, I think it's against the odds at the moment, but it will be a it will be a sensational uh, um, title if we were to do it. Tim, that leads me to be Johnny Doomer, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, if, hand on heart, I I don't think we will. I, clearly, I'd love to see us do it. If we win the next two games, suddenly I think it could change the entire mood, and like you say. In the same way as we'd, 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 bounce, we'd fail to bounce back from adversity, we've also been on decent runs before. And there's no reason we couldn't put it, put it together. I think it was a good player who was saying that we don't need to win every game. We just need to match to the Manx results and beat them and win the, win the game in hand. When you think about it in those sort of terms, it does seem doable because it's not a great United side. Uh, and even though Chelsea are coming up on the rail, they've still got a way to go. So I think we could, but the next two games I think are absolutely massive. We mess up in those and I think it's probably done, but we win them and it's absolutely game on. All right, gents, uh, thank you very much indeed for your time. Enjoy what's left of this uh, fine interlull, and uh, we'll catch up with you before the end of the season. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks, boys.
Thank you very much indeed to the lads. You can find them at their blogs, Gunnar Holic at GunnarHolic.com or on Twitter. His username is TheGunnarHolic, eSlower, eSlower.co.uk or on Twitter, eSlower and Arse2Mouse, where the two is a number two. And it's just struck me what that name uh, is a play on. So um, uh, enjoy Arse2Mouse.com or Twitter, Arse2Mouse. Thank you very much indeed to them, and we'll talk to them before the season finishes, I'm sure. Now, last week, I gave you a chance to win some uh, nice gear from Pele Sports, two pairs of boots, three zip-ups, four T-shirts, and uh, the random number generator has done its thing. The winners of the performance 1970 boots are Liam Bamford, and Robert Heaney, well done to you guys. Also, three zip-ups go to uh, Riyadi Jazlan. Apologies if I didn't get that quite right. Scott McGurk and Nigel Baker. And four T-shirts to uh, Josh Beaumont, Andrew Schultz, John Creek, and Christina Thakore, or Thakore. Never mind, Christina, it doesn't matter how I mispronounce your name. You've still won yourself a T-shirt from Pele Sports. That's Pele-Sports.com. I'll give you the link in today's blog as well if you want to go check out their stuff. I'll be in touch with you via email uh, to arrange delivery of your prizes. Also wanted to mention, of course, the uh, newly launched Arsblog online store, uh, which is selling Arsblog merchandise. Uh, there's an Arsblog t-shirt. There is a Chesney t-shirt. There's a Boilk t-shirt for when you're feeling hungover. And, of course, there is a Robert Pires dreamy t-shirt. And there's a rather excellent Peter Hillwood, never in doubt, 1989 Anfield print in there as well, which you can frame and hang on your wall. Uh, so do check it out. It's store.arsblog.com. That is store.arsblog.com. And of course, all proceeds go to help the site, keep it alive, keep the wolves from the door, and provide me with some tasty gruel so I don't die of starvation. As well as that, though, anybody who makes a purchase between now and the 14th of April will automatically be entered into a draw to win a signed Arsenal shirt. Now, it's actually signed by Arsenal players, not signed by me and Mrs. Bloggs and the Ars Blog Bassett Hand. It's the 2008 away shirt, the white one, the one which Sesk wore in the San Siro when he thumped in that goal from long range. So if you would like to win that shirt signed by Arsenal players, all you have to do is make a purchase in the store and you'll automatically be entered into that draw on and around the 14th of April. I will do the random number generator business and uh, get the winner going for that. So that's really about that. Check it out, store.arsblog.com. And for this week, uh, that's about all we've got. We've just got another week to waste, another week to wait, and then the real football begins again. And we can get on with the small matter in hand, which is just going out there and winning the league. Sounds fairly simple to me. So until next week's Arscast, I'll talk to you on the blog. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 